Welcome back to another episode of My Neighbors Are Dead. I'm your host, Adam Peacock, and we're all familiar with the big names in horror. Freddie, Jason, Jeff the Talking Mongoose, but who we're not familiar with are the ones just outside the terror, the ones who didn't get to tell their tales. Now, I have, for as long as I can remember, always tried to look cool, whether that was getting a pair of little pennies from my mom when I was in elementary school or buying Tommy Hilfiger jeans or Tommy Hilfiger cologne or Tommy Hilfiger shirts. Anyway, I never failed to come up unsuccessful. I always and continue to be lame because I don't know anything about fashion. I'm not well educated in that arena and I probably should be. And that's what I did this week. I traveled across the pond to Europe to talk to a doctor who knows a thing or two about fashion and the horrors that it can bring. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of My Neighbors Are Dead. I'm your host, Adam Peacock, and I am coming to you this week from the Toucan Bar over in England. And I'm very excited. I've never been over here before, and this place is great. Uh, everybody here is so nice. Mm-hmm. The The beer is fantastic. And joining me this week is Henry Tobin. Henry, thanks for doing this. Good to be here. Thank you so much. Uh, so I was talking to a friend before about how I don't mm-hmm. really understand, you know, the fashion world. And I don't, you know, I'm a, I'm a, my, my ignorance has sort of led to a little bit of a um, curmudgeon-y attitude towards it. But you yourself are- you're slightly, you're slightly involved in the fashion world. Oh, my uh, wife <laughs> teaches dipshits over at the London College of Fashion uh, how to sew dresses and how to make things look good when they're really just fabric. I mean, I love, I love my wife, and actually, what she does is amazing. And the truth is, the world of fashion is much like any other creative field. There's a couple of geniuses that set the bar that truly do mm-hmm. transcend what humans are able to do, and everyone else is just some bloody fucking fool trying to, trying to follow in their footsteps. Uh, I think just you know being involved in something even tangentially really sort of gives you new appreciation for it so you know your wife is a is an educator in the world of fashion what is your connection to it is it just through her or do you have your own personal connection to the world of fashion oh well i know how to dress any good bloke does around my part you can't just walk out the house wearing nothing now can you of course not of course not no i mean you know I'd like to look good. Let's face it. Everyone does. Even if you don't, that's your own personal fashion, you know? So, I mean, I think there is the world of fashion and then there's the world of fashion design. The world of fashion design sure. is, is uh, I mean, frankly, in the moment I'm, uh, you know, exiting it, I mean, because of my wife's recent, recent uh, you know, quitting of her job, you know, we're trying to get away sure. from that world. It's been very traumatic yeah. for us and some of the egos involved in some of the, mm-hmm. some of her students um, have been truly devastating to our lives, but I'm not, I, you know, I mean, I sure I could sit here and say that young uh, people, young students wanting to, you know, be the next Gucci or whatever, you know, might be directly responsible for a huge uh, depressed state in my life and in my wife's life. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I can't, I won't throw stones against the whole glass house. You know what I'm saying? Well, if you don't mind, if, if, if we could just touch on that a little bit, because this sort mm-hmm. of this world of fashion, this world of fashion education has kind of turned on you 
and your wife as you as you were describing. So talk me through talk me through sort of what happened and how your wife is dealing with all of this. Well, last year was a year like any other. She showed up. She had a bunch of first year freshman children. I'll call them they were their tots. Their tots are little young ones with blooming bloody minds, just wanting to have all types of frilly things on jackets, right? So they show up to the School of London, whatever fashion. And it's a school like it's a year like any other. And like any mm-hmm. other year, a couple of students actually do seem to have a bit of talent. They have something about sure. them. They have a vision. They do have a voice. I mean, you know, I'm sure you had one. I like to think of myself as having one at their age. You know, it was just, uh, you know, every once in a while, there's a diamond in the rough. And she had this sure. girl, Ellie. I'm sure you've heard of her. That's why we're meeting at the Toucan here. She's the bartender right yeah. up there, as, you're sh- as I'm sure you know. It's the whole reason we're here. Yeah. So she shows up to class, and she's got this sensibility. She's like a flower child. She's like a hippie. You know, she, she uh, is more into the 60s vibe. But also, it was really weird, because she grew up in, like, some small shit town. So she's claim to like more relate to what was happening in the 60s but the reality is i'm not sure if she knew what was happening now you know she was raised by her yeah. her, her grand or something like that and she uh showed up completely out of date fashion and claimed to say that it was a choice and that music was better back in those days it's like oh was the music better back in those days is that why you're listening to it on your iphone with your beats by dre headphones you know what i'm saying so anyway, she shows up, and the thing about her that um, my wife Liz uh, originally uh, found herself drawn to was she was actually using fabrics of the era, which I hate to break it to you are actually much harder to work with than fabrics that are more available in today's fashion. You know, so she thought, "Wow, this girl sure. Ellie is pretty good. Like she's really trying to, you know what I mean? It's going to be one thing if you're going to build a house. It's going to be another thing if you're going to build the house without any power tools. You know what I'm saying? So she was drawn to her. She said, "This girl maybe has a, has something to her. Maybe she's putting her, you know, mouth her 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 mouth where her money is, or whatever that saying is. I'm just trying to sound American like you." And so she, so she does this whole thing where she starts to, "Oh, I'm a '60s girl. I'm a '60s girl." And it was weird because she's from a small town, whatever. The other kids immediately mm-hmm. weirded out by her. The girls start bullying her. I just kind of let that happen. You can't, you know, you just got to let the, you got to, I mean, not me. I'm saying from my wife's point of view, you know, you can't get too involved sure, in sure. the personal connections. Anyways, I'll cut fat. I'll cut fast forward through it. The girl was okay. She was no genius. It seemed like she had seen like Austin Powers and decided to try to redo those costumes or something anyways she started getting weirder and weirder in class having freakouts. okay she's having freakouts in class she's running out the door at one point she was in a library she almost stabbed this girl jacosta one of the bully bitches i talked about almost stabbed her in the face with a pair of scissors okay this girl is having a, a mental freakout. okay she's having she's going mental okay yeah and so all that's happening blah 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 Three miles right from here, or kilometers. I don't remember which one we do. One of those. Not far from here. I'm sure you heard of the Collins house that burned down with, with sure, Mrs. Collins I... in, in it. It's been all over the news. I mean, let's not pretend that you don't know. She killed Mrs. Collins killed a bunch of Johns when she was a prostitute in the 60s in a in a in a in a flat just right down the way. Okay, obviously you know that. And they then they all got burnt down and everything. Well, out of the fire comes little Ellie. 
Eloise, the sweet girl from the from whatever bumfuck town she's from, comes out of the fire. She's been involved in the whole thing. She's completely mental. She's freaked out. And uh, basically, uh, after she, I don't know, gets all the smoke pumped out of her lungs or whatever they do, whatever those ambulance people do to save someone from a fire, she goes through loads and mountains of mental rehabilitation to get her back. She's a psychological mess, this poor girl. Who could blame her? Anyway, <laughs> she comes out the other side and she has this uh, tick, this mental thing where she thinks that my wife, Liz, Miss Tobin, was particularly supportive of her work that she was doing in class. Now, Liz is supportive of all of her students. She's a marvelous teacher. And this girl did show a bit of talent and a bit of knack for wanting to do old-timey things, which was impressive. Sure. And and she just has this idea that Mrs. Tobin was there for her in her time of need, right? And the whole school is freaked out because no one, they can't put her in jail for anything, but she was involved in the whole thing and she almost stabbed Jocosta in the eye with scissors. She's been freaking out the whole time. So the whole department gets together and puts it on my wife, Liz Tobin, to put together this huge fashion show to show that this girl is a genius, okay? They throw on some shitty Austin Powers looking dress on some girls. They use duct tape to make sure it sticks to them. They put on a whole fashion... You should have seen this fashion show. You think year one students get a full fashion show? Year one students, you're in the bloody auditorium, okay? You're under fluorescent lights. You get to show a diorama of what your one day a fashion show would look for like for you in your wildest dreams. They give her a whole bloody fashion show, okay? They make everyone clap and steer up and cheer. And there's my wife in the back of the of the you know backstage she you know the fashion show is done she has to hug her tell her how amazing she was how brilliant this little girl is and uh frankly the whole thing was just such a mental load the whole department put all of the weight of that on her back she's been scared for her life ever since we're back living with my yeah. parents the only reason i'm here back in this neighborhood is to tell you about it so people can do something about this fucking terror eloise fucking stalking the neighborhood well, Henry, you speak about it with such passion. You know, I think it's, I think something gets lost sometimes where, you know, something, first off, the drama of school never goes away. I think this is clearly apparent, whether you're in elementary school, junior high, nightmares. high school, college, it's all, it's all the same shit until you get out of it. Literally nightmare. But I think, absolutely. Uh, it, but it doesn't just affect the people involved. You know, there are, there is collateral damage. There's tangential casualties here. and. I, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it feels like you might be one of those people because you, again, you speak about it with such passion and it can only assume that comes from the love that you have for your wife. And, you know, this has impacted your life in, in some way, shape or form. You're back living with your parents. I'm, I'm the freaking, I'm a doctor. Okay. I'm a doctor. You know what I'm doing? Do you know what my job is now? I look at the pictures that men send of the top of the head who want to get finasterized and minoxidil to not go bald, and I say, oh, yeah, you get some medication. And I'm prescribing men hair loss pills from my parents' basement. That's my fucking job right now. We're hiding. I got it. 
I got to say, Henry, though, that might not be a bad thing in the States because you could just charge people. You could have people over a barrel with insurance costs and premiums and copays and all that. Oh, so, you know, maybe, maybe give it a shot over and, here. Yeah, the states and their paychecks. Mm. In England, the medicine is to be respected. So how how are you dealing with that? I mean, personally, and I guess if you're, if you're okay sharing that, how is it impacting the relationship you have with your wife and your parents? Because you're back home now. Yeah, I'm back home. Guess what else I am doing? I'm at the toucan slamming pints with you, a bloody stranger who actually asked me to talk about my life. Yeah, yeah, I think I'm doing pretty. I think, you know what's great? Oh, my wife quivering and crying in the fucking corner because she's scared for her life. You know, mm-hmm. oh, oh, we, oh, we, our sex life is, is fucking divine. Of course, it's trash. It's all shit. Okay. Oh, my parents. I had, I, do you know what it's like to be in a basement? Do you, uh, you, do you I, live in an apartment I, building? I, in the, in the, what, what, what's your, what's your life like? I, do you, well, I, I, I do live in an apartment and I, I do know what it's like. I have been in a basement before. Yes. Mm-hmm. Was there a carpet on the basement? Did they try to put some paint up? Did you do whatever you could with mirrors and a couple of bloody lamps to make it not feel like you were in a prison cell? Have you ever had to, have you ever had to try different types of light bulbs that have the stupid colors that change on your phone, the small light bulbs, the led, whatever's, just to make it seem like you're not trapped in the in the ground? I I will say that I don't know what that's like, although I have been in a basement where part of it was carpeted. So I think that's probably as close as I can get to what you're talking about. Thank you. So uh you know, I I I don't it's gotta be tough because they say, you know, people like older people these days are moving back in with their parents. So maybe you know, if you're trying to look for a silver line in here, it might not be fr- as frowned upon as as you might think it is. Or maybe, you know, take some comfort in knowing that more and more people are doing it as the economy is getting tougher and tougher. And maybe this isn't such a bad thing for you in your oh, life. Oh, very good point. How about I be a stereotypical and trapped in the economic travesty of my generation, just like all the other lemmings? You're right. Yeah. Now I'm just yelling at you. To be honest, no, to be okay. honest, I'm Please having fun. Up. To be honest, I'm having a great time. To be honest, I haven't well, been great. out in months. To be honest, where's Ellie? She used to bartend here, you know. You know what she did? She chased Paul Lindsay. He's a he's he was a neighborhood bloke, one of the only good cops in this whole t- part of the town. She chased him out of this very bar because in the, in this room, this basement, this down down here, she chased him out the yeah. back door, around the corner, and guess what happened? He got hit by a car. Now, see, that's the kind of fun that you can only get in a bar when you go out. You know, I I was going to get mad at you. I was going I was going to bite your fucking head off for besmirching the memory of dear Lindsay. But the reality of it is, is maybe you're right. Maybe the best thing I can hope for is to get out and get hit by a fucking bus. Well, I'm not saying you. I'm not. I'm not suggesting that you take your own life or you know do something to facilitate your life. Oh, I would way to try to get never. out of your predicament. But like, you know, and I'm I'm certainly not trying to besmirch the memory of somebody that was a friend of yours. But I Better think not. there is a a certain 
oh gosh, what's the word? I, I think excitement or, you know, just kind of drama that comes with being at a bar, whether that's you, you get to see somebody fight, which is always fun. Watching two people fight from afar in a bar, I think is one of the, one of the best experiences you can have going to a bar. Hey, I'm going to tell you this right now, unless you're looking to get your not, lights knocked out, I'll lower your voice and not, not get any of these fellas over here, any ideas. I don't know. I, you yes, can. I, think... I, I feel like you're speaking with some sort of level of freedom, some sort of level of like, but I end up not getting my ass beat at bars that maybe certain Americans have come accustomed to. But uh, unless you are actually looking for a night in a hospital, I suggest you lower that roar down to a whisper. I will say I am a guest, not only in this bar, but in this country. And uh, you know what, Henry, you're right. I, I sometimes just kind of get carried away with bar violence i understand it i mean look at you you're american i think oh my god it must be so fun grab a couple of guns shoot your neighbors you know i understand where you're coming from yeah there is a lot of that where i'm from yeah there there really is a lot of that Mm -hmm, too true i mean i you know what are so so talk me through if you if you don't mind what are you and and your wife doing to sort of uh, keep the spark alive because it's difficult. And I'm sure, you know, like I said, there are more and more people who are moving back in with their parents. I'm sure a lot of those people are in relationships, maybe not through, you know, ghost murder or bar murder, but through other circumstances, what do you, what are you guys doing to keep the spark alive in, in the relationship? Well, as always, I know it's a fucking joke at this point. It's like, Oh, what did you get that written on a Starbucks cup or something? But communication is always number one. You've got to be communicating. Sure. So if she's sobbing in the corner and scared for her life, I ask her, how are you feeling? And she says, I'm scared for my life. Okay. So we are communicating like that. And then she says, how are you doing? I say, well, I'm looking at the tops of motherfucking men's heads and deciding that I don't think that the side effects from this drug will be worse from them than being a bald fuck. Okay. And we make sure to, to, to really to, just to let the communication fly. That's number one. Number two, mm-hmm. um, I don't, how crass can you be on this podcast? What's the, well, you can say whatever you would like. Okay. Well, the vibrator on the clitoris is always number one. Okay. So anything else you can do and you want to do, go ahead and oh, we can do all these things. But if you do that, and number one, first and foremost, if that is your con- if you is your constant, if you're if you've got that consistently on the button, then everything else, uh, you know, is there's a lot of room to improvise around that. Uh, so as long as your foundationals, yeah. as long as you know, it's like anything, you've got to know the rules in order to break them. You know, it's like a house. You know, if you get your foundation straight, why anything else you can kind of do? You can your roof can be pitched or it can be curved or it, you don't even have to have a roof. You know what I mean? So as long as we keep the yeah. foundationals straight and maintain eye contact during orgasms, then uh, you know, then all of that is fine and dandy. I mean, it sounds given the circumstances, Henry. It sounds pretty pretty goddamn healthy well you know i mean we don't have all the quite the hang-ups that i think you do back in the states i mean it's it's funny you know i i never thought myself as quite health healthy exactly but uh you know shit i guess i'm a fucking doctor so yeah i mean well you mentioned that yes i want to know you said you look at the tops of men's head who are going bald what was your what was your field of medicine before you got into into hair hair loss oh i wanted to be a, uh um a, you know work for one of a football club out here you know i wanted to uh you know i, lo- I love sports it. medicine yeah sports medicine whatever <laughs> 
<laughs> like one of those, you know, like have you ever seen the show Ted Lasso? <laughs> Oh, yeah. yeah, like one of them, like on the like in an organization like that, you know, with like sure. some sort of head coach that's like very ethical and good and a very fun group of players and maybe some wackadoos in the um the in the in the owner's circle and all that kind of stuff. And maybe I would be like the doctor who come in and make sure all the players are feeling good, you know. I think that's great. I think that's great. Uh what is the so so talk about getting there though i mean like mm-hmm. what is the time frame like do you guys have a set amount of time that you're going to stay living in your parents basement is this like a six months to a one year well five you can't year thing? rush is- mental health and my poor wife is stuck with betterhelp.com okay she's zooming deep psychological trauma okay yeah on one MacBook while I'm sitting next to her saying, okay, here's two, one milligram of finasteride a day. Don't overdo it. You bald fuck, you know? So, I mean, there's no, you, you can't rush these kind types of things. So I don't know. I mean, to be well, honest, to be honest, to be honest. Sure. Please. If you had your whole life stripped away from you and the only way mm-hmm. that you could make it through the day was to cry for six, seven hours a day. How Mm -hmm. long would it take you? I mean, what I'm saying is it's a fucking conundrum. Well, I, you know what? I, I, I would never pretend to be knowledgeable enough to know what that would, what that would take to get through. And I certainly don't want to, you know, diminish anybody's own personal experience, but I do know this. I know because of the conversion rate, I got a few extra bucks in my pocket, Henry. And You've really, you've been kind enough to get all this off your chest. I can tell it's weighing a lot on you and I don't see how it couldn't. So I say we finish up these drinks here and we kind of go out and we make a night of it on the town. Oh, fuck. Yeah. I thought you were going to ask me for some finesse's ride. I thought you were going to, I was uh, you going to ask me to look at the crown of your head. Hell yeah. You want to go out? Shit. This part of town is fun as fuck. I haven't been out here in months. Let's go get stabbed. Shall we? I love it. I'm comfortable with my hair loss. Uh, Henry Tobin, thank you so much for coming by. I, I'm I'm only ending the show because we're only we're, I'm ending the show because we're starting our night. Um, I hope we let's get stabbed, let's get drunk, and let's let's have fun. Fuck yeah, mate. Well, Henry Tobin, best to your wife, by the way. I hope thank wherever you. she is, is she at home? Is she at home tonight? She fucking better be <laughs> crying all fucking month long. The one night I'm gone, she decides to go out with her little chickadees and have fun around the hen house. I fucking doubt it. Well, let's hope she's at home crying her eyes out, fearing for her life. And let's, you and I go out. Let's just fucking, let's, let's get pissed. Don't get hit by a call. Let's do it. Dr. Henry Tobin, everybody. Thanks for coming by. Cheers. Thank you for listening to My Neighbors Are Dead. I'm your host, Adam Peacock. The show is produced by myself, Nate DeFort, and Ryan Counts House, with editing done by Nate DeFort. Our original music was composed by Jesse Case, with additional music by Dane Halverson. Our artwork was done by James Mulholland. And as always, we want to give a very special thank you to our old pal, Mark Nashon. I want to thank Nick Casolini for coming by and playing Dr. Henry Tobin. You can catch Nick on the podcast, Muriel's Murders. Find that wherever you get your podcasts and find them on social media at Muriel's Murders. If you like the show and you want to support us, go to www.patreon.com slash my neighbors are dead, where you can find new weekly bonus content only available to our Patreon patrons. If you have yet to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, please take a second to do so now. It helps us grow and it helps new neighbors find the show. 
You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at My Neighbors Are Dead and on Twitter at My Dead Neighbors. Stop by, give us a follow, and share your favorite episodes. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Have you ever encountered an unexplained hairy bipedal hominid in the woods? Have you received telepathic messages from an unidentified aerial phenomenon? If so, then you need to listen to Bigfoot Collectors Club. I'm Michael McMillan. And I'm Bryce Johnson. And together with super producer... Riley Bray. We make up the Bigfoot Collectors Club. That's right. Every week we talk to actors, comedians, writers, and paranormal experts about their personal paranormal histories and share stories of high strangeness. Like the time when we talked to Craig Ferguson about the Loch Ness Monster and when a sea witch told him he had raven magic. Or the time I asked Pitch Perfect's Anna Camp her opinion on cattle mutilations. Past guests have included Rachel Bloom, Jen Kirkman, Paul F. Tompkins, Bobcat Goldthwait, and more. So if you've ever been abducted alongside five reindeer by an alien with drills for hands or witnessed Bigfoot crawl out of an interdimensional portal, don't laugh, happens all the time, then check out Bigfoot Collectors Club on Campfire Media or wherever you get your podcasts. Bigfoot Collectors Club, you're here to believe us. Wait, is that how it goes? Campfire.